What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Metal Tech Podcast. My name is Nate Ants Tommaso. I'm here with my co-host, Evan Knowles. And this week, we are coming at you from Base 110, the co-working space in downtown Lexington, Kentucky. We just had a great conversation with Rick Painter. Rick is the chief Kentuckian at Shop Local Kentucky. Chances are you've heard of it, and you probably own one of Rick's t-shirts. He started the company back in 2014 as an Instagram account, and it has just grown from there. You're not going to want to miss it. We talk about personal brand and growing a business in Kentucky. It is a great conversation. Let's jump in. All right, guys, welcome back to the Middle Tech Podcast. Once again, thank you for joining us. My name is Nate. I'm here with Evan. Hey, everybody. Before we get into it, just want to remind you to follow us. We are at Middle Tech Pod on all social, whether it's Twitter or Instagram or Facebook. Um, give us a follow there. We post content surrounding the episodes. I'm really going to start building that out. We're looking forward to doing that, continuing the conversation on those platforms. Oh, yeah. Um, as well, shoot us emails. Let us know what you think about our topics, um, any opinions you have on uh, stuff that we cover here, any things that you think we should be talking about, um, or just if you want your voice to be heard. You know, like we said, we, we are starting this podcast to grow the conversation, um, and that's where you can really get involved um, and get in our ear and get on the podcast as well as put in your, um, your thoughts there. So we're super excited today to be joined by another guest. Um, today's guest, he is the founder, CEO, and the chief Kentuckian at Shop Local Kentucky. You probably follow him on Instagram. It's Rick Painter. Hey, guys. How are you? How are you doing today, man? I'm doing good. I'm it's, doing real well. It's been a long time since we've uh, talked to each other. Yeah, we connected over Dance Blue a few years back, mm-hmm. and um, you know, it's been a, been a long time, but yeah, happy to be here. Yeah, we, we really appreciate you coming on. You know, you... You obviously have a lot of experience in the entrepreneurship area here in Lexington, um, so we kind of want to dive in, uh, dive into all of that. So I yeah. guess first let's let's start with your background. You know, if you want to kind of bring us to, I guess that's a big question, but right, how did you get to right. this point? Um, you know, I didn't start in marketing, I didn't start in entrepreneurship, but from a young age, I knew I kind of wanted to to do this. High school, I installed car stereos. Um, I was known as like the car stereo guy of Winchester, Kentucky. Um, <laughs> In college, uh, joined a fraternity, uh, found out that fraternities pay a DJ every week, like every Friday night, mm-hmm. and they're paying him like gross money, 300 bucks. And yeah. so I dropped out of the fraternity and became a DJ, um, and basically every Friday night would have a different gig. So that was kind of the early beginnings. Um, fast forward to uh, my career, graduated with a degree in psychology from UK in 2009. Um, didn't really know what I wanted to do with it. So uh, I just got a job at uh, S&S Tire here in Lexington. Um, it's kind of a hard time, economic downturn, 2009, yeah. 2010. Um, I was actually laid off a week before my wedding. Um, and so I went on a honeymoon, went to St. Thomas, uh, and, and just kind of regrouped. Yeah. Came back um, and went to Books A Million and decided I wanted to be a web designer. Mm-hmm. And so I basically checked out every book they had. Um, read them cover to cover, learned HTML, CSS, all now, that how, kind of how stuff. did you make that decision that you should go into web design? You know, um, my dad had always been kind of into entrepreneurship. He owned several businesses. He owned a tire store in Winchester. And um, I saw a niche for small business web design. And mm-hmm. because, you know, these people didn't have 
um, they didn't have websites. They didn't know what Facebook was. They didn't know how to use it. So um, I had actually worked at SNS Tire with a web design company here in Lexington, and I was just blown away by how much a website could cost. Yeah. So for me, offering a three to five hundred dollar option was a pretty good deal. Mm-hmm. So um, I slowly began to grow that business and had about fifty clients that I was working with. Um, was really that just you freelancing? Freelancing um, from home, basically. Yeah. Um, so I enjoyed that business, and it went from being called Inbound Lex to Georgetown Geek as I moved from Lexington to Georgetown. Okay. Um, I actually sold the business, um, sold the clients off, and decided that I wanted something more stable. The money was good, but um, you know I wanted to have benefits and yeah. not pay you know a thousand bucks a month for health insurance and that type of thing. I had kids, so. Yeah. Um, so fast forward, I got a job at the Kentucky Chamber of Commerce as a marketing manager, and uh, that job was me being 24, 25 years old, um, doing email marketing, social media, all that kind of fun stuff. Mm-hmm. But the entire staff there was like 56 years old and didn't understand why we were doing this Facebook thing, didn't yeah. understand why we had to tweet, that type thing. So it was very, very frustrating to be in that you know, environment. Mm-hmm. Plus, um, you know, they're political lobbyists. That wasn't my interest. You know, so um, I hopped out of that. Um, but while I was at that job, that's when I started Shop Local Kentucky. So um, basically founded a Instagram account called Shop Local Kentucky, um, started sharing pretty pictures of Kentucky. And we're talking very, very early 2013 Instagram. So um, we started growing and growing and growing, decided we wanted to do something with that. Um, my dad had been in screen printing. So uh I got a screen printing press, printed 100 shirts, we connected with a local charity, um, and we put together a little uh, WordPress website and sold them online. So we posted them on Friday morning, and basically within 10 minutes were sold out of those 100 t-shirts. We gave the money to charity, and my wife and I looked at each other and said, there's something to this, there's there's a niche here that needs to be filled. Mm -hmm. Of course, there were other people doing this in that space at that time, but we decided we kind of wanted to be the clean-cut brand, and so we basically just started going to festivals, um, selling online, and marketing ourselves. So yeah. that was kind of the, the humble beginnings, if you will. Yeah. Gotcha. So for all these you know, different entrepreneurial ventures, uh, were you looking, to somebody, looking at somebody that was already doing these things, or just something inside you that said, hey, I need to do you know, this? You, know, you mentioned you saw a niche in the market. What made you take the leap and then just do it? Um, you know, I always, working nine to five at a very, very just boring job, I needed just something to keep me going. Um, you know, my job was kind of job where you had meetings just to have meetings and talk about the meetings that you're going to have. Yeah. And so, um, during those times, of course, I'm sitting like looking on Instagram for things to post and, mm-hmm. you know, um, very early on, I think I saw social as, um, as something we were going to double down on that we yeah. needed to just be in that space and yeah. doing something. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I still kind of continue that today. I, I handle five different Kentucky accounts that post pretty pictures and do nothing for us, yeah. Yeah. but it's just to have something going on. Yeah. Like I said, my dad was always an entrepreneur. He owned a tire store, a fitness center, um, and a screen printing shop in Winchester. So I just grew up working. That's all I knew. So yeah. working 18 hours a day never bothered me. And that's kind of still our mentality is just, we just work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was kind of the answer I was looking for. Was you you saw that social was going to be something that was going to grow. Mm-hmm. You got in early, um, to you know you had a you know good feeling that that was going to take off. Right. Because mm-hmm. you know nowadays all these entrepreneurs are starting these online businesses. 
social media. That's really these entrepreneurs are starting their businesses and really growing them. You were one of the first in Kentucky to do that. Um, so, you know, it's good to, you know, hear that that's how you did it. Right. So, so Shop Local Kentucky started as an Instagram account, account um, mm-hmm. and it was basically just like lifestyle Kentucky pictures. Basically. Right. Yep. Um, and then, so you got into the, the charity t-shirt and you realized there was um, a market there. What was next? You know, bring us along the story of Shop sure, Local Kentucky. Sure. So, um, my wife and I, uh, ran it in full, uh, until... 2015, I want to say early 2015 is when mm-hmm. we hired our first employee. Um, my second child was born February 2015. I took paternity leave from my job and never went back. Just yeah. kind of said, this is what we're going to do. It's sustainable enough. Um, we were always very, very patient and very slow about it um, while maintaining speed online. So mm-hmm. again, we were working 18 hours a day doing this. But we were taking it very, very slowly and making sure that we were building a brand, not just selling somebody a t-shirt. Yeah. Um, so 2015 in April, we moved into our first warehouse, which is a little thousand square foot warehouse, and hired a couple people that did shipping, that type of thing, mm-hmm. and just kind of started selling online very, very seriously. Um, I told my wife I was going to spend $100 a day on Facebook ads, and that might as well have been a million dollars a day at that (laughs) point. She thought I was nuts. Um, And so luckily I had done consulting, and I knew um, the advertising platform really, really well. Um, And so I was able to kind of, again, double down on that, be disciplined about spending that money and not seeing a huge return in the beginning. And that's really where it grew from. so we were there a year at that first warehouse. We grew into our second warehouse the next year, um, which was 2016. Um, we saw sales doubling year over year and just gaining momentum, adding employees. Um, and so now, fast forward uh, to today, we ship around 10 to 15,000 packages a month, just depending on the month. Um, we have roughly 20 employees, um, one retail store, unfortunately. We had two. We can get into that later. Yeah. Um, the whole saga. And really, we uh, we're just we're pursuing the the branding, mm-hmm. and that's what we've always done. How, how do you think the brand um, and the sales have grown month over month and just continued to explode? Um, Facebook advertising, really? Yeah, I mean, Instagram's great, um, but when the algorithm change happened, we we stepped back away from Instagram, and instead of posting a picture of the shirt and saying, "Hey, this is for sale, buy it." Mm-hmm. We decided the story needs to be about me and my wife. It really needs to be about us and our business and us working hard and um, personal branding. I remember you kind of made a, a concerted effort to change right. your focus. Right. And that's that's one of those things that, yes, we used to post a picture of a shirt on Instagram and have a thousand people on our website. Those days are long gone. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're still trying to figure out Instagram advertising and how to navigate that space with stories and whatnot. But mm-hmm. I think that um, I Facebook... Think everyone's trying to figure that yeah, out. Yeah. Um, it's tough. But uh, Facebook was definitely what did it for us and how we concentrated our marketing efforts into moving um, from a small business to a medium-sized business. Mm-hmm. Do you think Facebook is uniquely positioned to do that just because of the targeting um, that it allows for? Yes, I think that um, the targeting, the fact that we can run retargeting ads on the platform, um, invite people back in a nice way, and um, it's our niche. You know, we know that our, our given customer is 25 to 34 years old for the most part, 80% female. Well, no other platform allows you to double down and go, 
well, I can, I can hit that person. I can hit them three times a day with an ad. Mm-hmm. I can send them a retargeting coupon. You know, there's, there's so much that you can do, and it's so diverse, especially for an apparel brand. I think that, you know, if you're an app, it's going to be a little difficult. You might find a different space. But yeah. for an apparel brand, if you're not doing it, you're doing something wrong. Mm-hmm. For sure. So, you know, back to the brand. You mentioned at the very beginning, you know, you're the clean, you know, clean cut brand mm-hmm. of Kentucky. Can you go more into, you know, what your brand story is and kind of what you're trying to get across with you and your family? Right. Um, you know, I think that for us, the story is important because we get so much feedback from customers about buying from a local company. Obviously, the name Shop Local Kentucky um, for us really didn't resonate in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, but what it did for us is let people know that, hey, this is locally made. It's printed here in Lexington, Kentucky. Um, it's run by a nice family. Um, and I think that that's where a lot of people are missing. They just, they want to be an apparel brand. They yeah. want to be a lifestyle brand, but they don't want to build off the backstory because that takes time. That takes hard work. Yeah. And, you know, building out just the talk of, you know, every I get asked to give talks now and it's like, Every time I tell people this kind of story about it, it gives them a closer connection to the brand. Um, and I think that that's something that we've been pretty successful doing through the Instagram account. Um, most people on Facebook just know us from our advertising efforts, which is, you know, what it's for. But yeah. that's kind of, I think, how we've sort of built the brand out. We, we're not afraid to tell stories. We're not afraid to show the hard work behind the, the company and really, um, you know, pictures like, putting my kids on a stack of packages that we're sitting packing, you know, we still, we still do all that. So yeah, yeah. makes total sense. Um, as far as, uh, would you consider yourselves influencers? Cause that's a hot topic nowadays. Sure. An influencer. Do you consider yourself an influencer or how do you look at that? I don't, I don't love the word, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I don't yeah. want to be like, Hey, I'm an online influencer. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Cause that's anybody can change their Instagram profile to say that. Yeah. Um, you know, I think that influence is a pretty fascinating thing. Um, you know, I'm a big fan of Gary Vee, so <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I, I listen to him a lot. And you know, I think there's I think there's interesting pockets and interesting niches right now that are being developed. He talks about a chick that does slime. Well, last <laughs> week I met a girl in Georgetown, Kentucky, that has a hundred thousand followers that makes slime and does <laughs> slime videos with her daughter, and like she's built out a business around this. I think those little pockets, those little niches are very, very fascinating. I'm not so blown away by like um, fashion blogging as a whole. I think that that's getting pretty crowded. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think that Shop Local Kentucky definitely has some influence and we're exploring that. But I'm more interested in the personal brands. Yeah. I'm more interested in building my personal brand, my wife's personal brand. Mm-hmm. And um, just being forefront, we're actually building out our kids' brands. So, um, my daughter has an Instagram account. She's three, you know? Yeah. And my goal for that is to hand them a gift when they're 18 years old. You have half a million followers, you know? Like, that sounds crazy, but I think that, that that's why kind of parents need to start thinking. It's like, okay, you want to be a YouTuber? Go for it. Yeah. Don't don't become a doctor or a lawyer, you know? Yeah. If there's anything wrong with that. But. Love that. So, when you're starting out, you know, 2013, 14, building this Instagram account, uh, did you look to certain people that are doing similar things and learn from them, or is this all self-taught? Where'd you Where'd you learn to build a brand like this? Um, it's self-taught. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I got fortunate enough to work with several different companies in consulting yeah. um, on the agency side. 
Um, I worked with Ashley Furniture Home Stores, so big brand. I did a lot of their Facebook advertising for them. Um, Cadova, same kind of thing, and got to explore the platforms and see what they were doing wrong and what was working. So I'd say that early on, that's kind of where I realized how important branding actually was, not just from a personal standpoint, yeah. but from a company. Yeah, so it wasn't hard for you to make the connection from the B2B branding side to the personal side. It wasn't, there's not a big difference no, there. No, I don't think there's a huge difference. I think there's definite, you know, um, B2B is difficult. It, it is difficult. Um, but uh, I, I think that you use the same principles and walk the yeah. same lines. Got it. I want to circle back um, to what you just said about um, it's important to build your personal brand and you're, you're doing it for your kids. Mm-hmm. Um, can you touch on that a little bit more? Why you think it's so important, even from such a young age, your daughter's three, um, that you really need to start building that out and how, how you think it's so valuable you compare it to becoming a doctor? Right. Um, well, it's funny. I gave a uh, talk at the at UK two weeks ago, a week ago, something like that. Mm-hmm. And I started down my personal branding spiel and I said that everybody's Instagram account should be your personal brand. You should build this out. And it's like crickets. And they're, they're 23 years old, you know, yeah. 21, however old they were. And um, for me, your personal brand is your resume. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's what people are going to look to. So if you want a decent job or if you want to do something with your life, I wish I could have started when I was 11, 12, 14, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I started when I was 26. And so obviously the platforms didn't exist. But um, I think that somebody having a personal brand that's not just associated. So you guys, you work for Fuji, is that the, the company? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, I would suggest, and I suggest it to like the guys that work for me, you have to have a personal brand that you can carry somewhere else. So yeah. mm-hmm. like, um, sure. you know, I got a guy that works for me, he prints shirts. Um, his name's David Cottle, I'll give him a plug. Um, and he, uh, he's into bodybuilding, that's his, his niche. And I'm just absolutely pushing on him to go harder into bodybuilding and, mm-hmm. and take more videos of you lifting and, and doing these things because, you know, you can print shirts all day long and have a job. That's fine. But your personal brand is something you carry with you everywhere. It's your reputation. I mean, that's that's really what it comes down to. Yeah. And I think with social just becoming a bigger part of our days every single day, mm-hmm. um, that it's your physical representation or digital. Base, digital, basically. Yeah. 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 It's just, it's literally visual right there, right. laid out for you. Yeah, I think you got to treat these these social media tool, as tools. Because a lot of people just treat them as, you know, this is you know my way to talk to my friends. But you also got to view it as, this is, like you said, a resume building. You know, way to build your resume, treat it as a tool, think consciously about what you're posting. How is this going to affect me down the road? How is mm-hmm. this going to make people perceive me? So I think people, you know, like you said, when you're building a personal brand, you got to consciously make an effort to use it as a tool for people to understand who you are, just as a resume, yeah. I remember as early as when I was in high school, um, you know, they talked about, oh, don't post any stupid pictures on Facebook, on Instagram, yeah. employers see that, and that's that's very true, and that's kind of the basic um, thoughts of a personal brand, um, but I believe we're even at the next step now, yeah. where... If that's your um, brand, be stupid. Then, yeah. then be stupid. Well, yeah. well, yeah, but as well as it not just being preventative or what yeah. I don't want my brand is, um, we're now at the step where you have to actively build it so those people will seek you out and not just check up on you yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and I'm actually surprised that it is not more of a thing. You know, you said you're at UK right. and people didn't think about it. I'm surprised because I, I know a lot of people my age that have large followings, um, mm-hmm. you know, just from 
posting their lives and everything and have a few thousand followers here and there. Um, but it's still to them just, a, oh, it's a, I had a fun event. I just want to share that. Right. That's the perfect soil and the perfect groundwork oh, yeah. or something Absolutely. like that. And it's just not being thought of on that plane. Well, well, I think it's super fascinating that we live in a time that anything can happen. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, like, go back to, to 2005. How would you have ever connected with, like, a celebrity? Like, you wouldn't. Uh, you wouldn't. They, they yeah. were so far removed. And I'm not saying this happens to everybody or every brand, but if you want to send Gary Vee a direct message, you can sit, you have that capability, yeah. you know? He may not read it, chances are, but you have the capability in your hand. Anything can happen, and that's what, like, that's been my, like, credo since getting into social is that, like, anything can happen. You can wake up tomorrow with your personal brand and have millions of followers just mm-hmm. because Shonda Rhimes shared your <laughs> you know, post or something like that. So it's just having those tools available, I mm-hmm. think, is almost more important than the fact that you're creating a personal brand. You have the ability to build a business online and ship from your house, whether it be slime or whatever. Yeah. And we didn't have that 10, 15 years ago, you know? So kids these days... Just do, you know? Just do. What do you think is keeping people from doing that? Um, why doesn't everyone have a slime business or a t-shirt business? Um, I think people spend way too much time, um, like, picking their company name, you know? Yeah. Like, thinking about that. Like, Shop Local Kentucky. Um, two years into it, I hated the name, and I wanted to change it so, so badly. Mm-hmm. Because... Shop Local Kentucky is not an apparel brand, is what I kept on telling myself, and I internalized it and was like, that doesn't sound like an apparel brand. That sounds like um, a, a chamber of commerce or something, you know? <laughs> yeah. And what I didn't realize is the name really, it doesn't matter a whole lot. It's how you backfill that brand story and build out the brand mm-hmm. as a whole. So I think people just aren't aren't doing enough, you know? Um they, everybody calls millennials lazy and, and all these things, but I don't think that's the case at all. I think that I think that people just are spending too much time analyzing as opposed to doing. Mm-hmm. For sure. Um, you know, another thing I want to make sure that we touch on um, is your work with the community. Sure. Um, you're, you're very involved, obviously, with Kentucky. It's right in the name and everything. Um, we met a couple years ago when you helped out Dance Blue. Um, mm-hmm. You had to keep the grass blue T-shirt, mm-hmm. which I believe was like that first shirt that you sold. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and you you donated all of the uh, the profits off of that to uh, to Dance Blue, um, and you were really involved with us as a Dance Blue committee, um, kind of making sure that we had a successful fundraiser there. Um, so, do you kind of want to talk about your thoughts on how? how you help out the community and how, you know, businesses and entrepreneurs should. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I don't think it's, it's never been really about like how shop local Kentucky really impacts a certain community or does something. I think that where businesses are kind of swinging for the fence and maybe missing a little bit is that like, we're doing this charity X, Y, and Z, and they're making it all about themselves doing the charity. Mm-hmm. And what we've really tried to do is focus on the fact that we're we're putting in hard work. We're printing thousands of T-shirts and shipping them, and we're we're basically doing it for free. Um, but it's really about Kentucky. It's about community coming together. You, they're the ones raising the funds. Yeah. Um, all we're doing is giving a tangible platform for them to do so. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've had several successful, um, pretty big fundraisers. Last year, Hurricane Harvey hit, and we felt kind of called to 
really helped the people down in Texas. So we did our God Bless Texas shirt, and that raised uh, around 84000 Wow. Then, um, tragically, we had the shooting this January uh, in Marshall County, and we mm-hmm. felt, again, that there was a line there where you're kind of walking along and going, like, if we do a t-shirt about this, is it is it okay? Yeah. Um, and so we kind of took a chance and did one, um, and that raised around 216000 So So wow. um, we were actually able, that, that money went to... Um, really tangible costs, so like funeral costs, um, hospital bills, um, uh, therapy, and they were even able to set up a scholarship fund with the leftover funds from that. So it's, you know, when you make impact like that, um, you you can't think of it as marketing, but you try to touch people's lives with what you're doing, obviously. Mm -hmm. And I think that should be every entrepreneur's goal is not to make money, you know? You've gotta make money to live on, but if you can do something kind, Kindness is in crazy short supply in our world right now, so it, it's that's it's very important to our brand mission. Yeah, it's awesome to be able to build that influence and use it for good mm-hmm. things like that. Right, definitely. Yeah. And that goes back to another benefit of your brand and your personal brand is right. you having the platform right. to do that. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Without social, without without the platform, that couldn't happen. Yeah, for sure. Um, what's next for Shop Local? Um, you know, we've always had plenty uh, graphic t-shirts and we're really, really building it out more into what I consider an apparel brand rather than just kind of a t-shirt company. Mm-hmm. So we're working with manufacturers to create our own t-shirt line. So as opposed to printing on branded blanks like everybody does, mm-hmm. um, they're manufactured for us. Um, wow. We're going to do t-shirts or, or shorts and other apparel that's kind of going to go along with it. And... Um, you know, just keep trucking along and see where it goes. Mm-hmm. Um, right now, we're pretty lean, so we're adding employees. We need to add employees so I can free up some of my time to do some things like um, we're starting podcasts. Yeah, we feel like that that space is something cool to do yeah. to, to work in, obviously. Um, and you know, we're just day to day, just staying busy. Yeah, and that's that's really what it's about. Talk about the podcast a little bit. Huh? What's sure. that going to be about? So um, it's called the Down Local. And what we are doing is kind of um, what I started the business with the premise of local business. We're connecting with local businesses, local entrepreneurs, and going to just let them talk about their business a lot like I'm doing right now here. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm excited because we've got some really, really cool guests coming. So we've got a a small batch distillery in Frankfurt. Um, Can't remember the name off the bat here, but um, it's just two guys making burp and like just have them on talk about their business and give them a little influence Um, we've got a bigger business called Wicked Sheets out of Louisville which is like a moisture wicking cool sheets they're actually getting ready for their 10th anniversary and um, they're going to be featured on QVC in June so that's going to be huge for their business and to just explore like how do you get on QVC you know Um, I think it'll be super interesting and hopefully we can we can grab a few more guests and keep it going on a weekly basis nice when are you starting that? We're going to start taping, um, hopefully, I think June. Um, mm-hmm. Right now, I'm just kind of getting a roll of guests together that I want to have on there and um, and see, kind of fill out what that content's going to look like, and then I think we're going to start dropping it in June. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I've had a few people bring that up to me. You know, people know that we do this podcast. Like, oh, Shop Local's doing one. Oh, yeah. And I think, I think you're really building excitement around that, so I'm cool. excited myself to see awesome. that kind of come to fruition. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, the podcast space is interesting, like you said. Mm-hmm. It's growing fast. 
Uh, you got all these voice devices coming out. You drive people driving the cars. Just an easy way to listen to content that you're interested in. Yeah. So that's why we you know wanted to start this because technology is not something a lot of people talk about, no. but they want to hear about. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. So just like what you're doing with entrepreneurship and, and these local businesses, I think there's definitely going to be a niche for that. And podcast is a great way to you know get that out. Right. Right. It's yeah. uh it's definitely not something that's natural to me and yeah. and natural to the business at all. But I think that. Um, I think by taking chances, nobody else is doing it. Yeah. You, got, you guys are doing it, and it's like, you know, I know there are a few around Lexington, around Kentucky, but, you know, there's not a lot. It's, yeah. it's, there's a lot of attention right now. So. Yeah. Um, continuing the conversation of what's next, is there going to be a physical expansion? I, I know you guys had um, attempted. <laughs> yeah. So um, we've actually had cars drive through both of our stores um, <laughs> last June. Uh, uh, a guy was texting and driving, and it was about closing time. And he came through the store in Lexington. Uh, and his BMW is like a 17 year old kid. Oh. Um, so that was a little bit of a nightmare, but we took it in stride. Um, we yeah. actually created a shirt about it and raised some money for charity through it. Um, mm-hmm. Your drive through, I think. A drive through, <laughs> yeah. Installing a drive through. Um, and so uh, we actually opened a location in Louisville last November, mm-hmm. and we had to close it on New Year's Day because the same thing happened. What are the odds of that? I, <laughs> I don't know. Um, we got we got the phone call about it, the Louisville one, and I'm going like I'm going to buy a lottery ticket like yeah. right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so we had to close the Louisville location. We get a ton of requests for Louisville, but mm-hmm. building out retail stores is not something I'm super interested in. I don't. Okay. Uh, I, I think that the retail space is shrinking a little bit, mm-hmm. um, and you know I, I think you see people like Toys R Us going out of business and and. So I think that's pretty a clear indicator of where we're going. So mm-hmm. we're really doubling down again on um, our customer service online mm-hmm. and working with new shipping providers to get it to people as quickly as possible and providing like a flawless experience the way Amazon does, making yeah. returns easy, yeah. making the entire process just crystal clean, mm-hmm. super easy, super friendly. And we think that that's kind of where the future is, obviously. So yeah. Um, no more retail stores. <laughs> Have you explored pop-up stores at all? We do them. Yeah, we do them. Um, so we won't do pop-up stores necessarily, but we do pop-up events yeah, at yeah. a lot of stuff. So yeah. I mean, we have a, existing events, right? So yeah. we have an operations manager that literally all she does is pop-up events and yeah. schedules those. And you guys just want to pivot brewing. Yes. Yeah, right? yeah. Yeah. So we did our uh, our spring sale at pivot, and that was that was a lot of fun. So. Yeah. Um, so if if the the future is kind of completely online, what what's the benefit of having a Lexington location? You know, not to right. challenge your presence there, but no, how no, do you no. see that as part of the business? Um, you know, I, I think that as online increases and people get more comfortable, I mean, we still get people that like don't want to put their credit card online, and want to call us, like which is crazy to me because yeah. my credit card's on my phone and anybody can take that and pretty much use it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so. Uh, you know, I think that that's probably the benefit right now is the uneducated consumer that doesn't know, hey, if you order from us online, you'll have it like tomorrow. Yeah. And the benefit of that, I don't know about you all, but I pretty much do all my shopping online. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, going to the mall is very, very daunting. Yeah. So um, I'm not the person who would go to our retail store in Lexington at all, but I think there's definitely a need for it. Plus, you know, uh, I would say 20, 30% of our stuff is bought as a gift. Yeah. So a lot of people are running behind and, you know, need to get a gift, go to the retail store in Lexington. Mm-hmm. But 
no reason to put them all over Kentucky. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, one thing, and I'm no expert in retail by any means, but one concept that I've really been interested in lately is the idea of experiential retail. Um, you know, you walk in and maybe there's five or six t-shirts um, and, you know, they're available with different prints and you can see that, but you're really just there to, to feel the material and to, mm-hmm. to feel the brand. And I think your store does a really good um, a really good job of kind of communicating that shop local brand when you walk in there. Um, how, do you, how do you think of the experience of being in a retail environment? I think it's extremely important. Um, you know, I think that anybody can build out a retail store and, and grab an architect and interior designer and make it look a certain way. But for our store, like, we tried to keep it untouched. It's a 130-year-old building, you know, mm-hmm. the, the tin ceilings falling out. And so we thought, let's make it antique Let's make it... Um, let's make it an experience for somebody to come to. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you're right, you know, a lot of people do like to touch, taste, feel before ordering online. And, um, you know, that's one of the things that we really try to push the sales associates. Like, if we don't have something in the store that they want, they'll order it for them, we'll ship it to them for free. Yeah. Um, we really t- try to take care of the customer. And I think that, um, I think there's still space for that level of customer service and in-store experience. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there are certain things that, that I would want to visit, but most of, most of it's online. Yeah. yeah. Well, let's talk about the flip side of that, your online store. You know, what technology technologies are you using? What's the strategy behind sure. your store? Can you talk a bit about that? Absolutely. So um, we've been on a Shopify platform for two and a half years, I want to say. Yeah. Um, obviously, having taught myself web design, all that kind of stuff, we basically grab a theme and, and have went with it. Um, yeah. And that's been fine for, for the last two years. And like, I would compare it to like a rusty old car. Like <laughs> it, it's done well, it's got from point A to point B. Yeah. But um, just recently we've actually hooked up with um, a marketing company that's one of the larger Shopify platform um, preferred service providers. And so we've got two front end developers. Um, we've got a UX dude and a marketing manager that is just going through our site right now, A, making sure code's correct, and B, strategizing about how we can optimize the site to, to you know, create that conversion funnel. So yeah. these guys have worked with uh, people like Chubby's, mm-hmm. um, I'm trying to think of the other mm-hmm. brands, Movement Watches, which oh, yeah, recently cool. probably seen yeah. on TV. Mm-hmm. So like, they know the space, and, yeah. and so they're, they're doing a great job so far, and we're excited to kind of redesigning it and have mm-hmm. real pros behind it this time. Still within the Shopify. Still within platform. Shopify, yeah. I, I don't know how anybody could exist outside of that, um, yeah. just with the analytics that they provide and the back-end support. Um, you know, we used to be on WordPress um, through WooCommerce, which was fine. Not to knock WordPress, I love it, but, you know, I think that for an e-commerce uh, solution, Shopify's it. Yeah, yeah. I was always surprised Facebook didn't come in and, and buy Shopify. Yeah, yeah. That would have been. I think it would have been a great move for them. Mm-hmm. You know, they're moving into the marketplace. You know, business. Right. Uh, Instagram's going to start having you know shop shop, shop tags. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was I was always surprised they didn't swoop in and buy Shopify. Yeah, and yeah. almost they they partnered with them on the, yeah. on the, the shopping solution for Instagram, yeah. which is. I've been a little disappointed by that. I'm gonna be honest. Yeah, so speak far. on that. I, you know. <laughs> We just, again, we don't try to pitch a lot on Instagram as far as, you know, selling somebody a t-shirt. Um, you know, we get some traffic from it. We looked at shoppable links, but what that did was hurt our engagement. 
So we started posting shoppable links and mm -hmm. our engagement rates go down. And me, I'm like the champion for engagement, every yeah. post matters type person. So um, I would probably be actually the opposite of like Gary Vee's philosophy of posting six times a day and not caring how many followers you have or likes you get. Yeah. Um, we've seen growth through engagement. And so I don't ever want to harm that engagement. Mm -hmm. And so I'm very, very careful with what we post. But we started doing those shoppable links and it was just kind of like, man. Did it feel unauthentic to the fan, you think? It did. Yeah. I think so. I think it felt like you're being pushed to do something and yeah. Facebook ads are already doing that for us. So, you know, why change that strategy right now? Mm -hmm. um, I'm super interested in the shop tab, but I don't know what that's going to look like because, mm -hmm. you know, um, people already know, our fan base anyway, already knows like where to go get the shirt. They go to the kyshop.com, yeah. pick up the shirt. They don't need a shop tab. In the past, we've tried like the Instagram tabs on our website that provide the shoppable links. Mm -hmm. um, that, that was kind of like sort of a bitly of Instagram, if you will. Mm -hmm. And again, kind of crickets. So, yeah. I, you know, I just don't know. I don't know what the future holds for that space for them. Um, I think it's super cool that they're they're working with Shopify to kind of like create that platform, but. Who knows where it's going? Yeah. Um, it's almost like Facebook Shop. Like we've never had any success with tying those together, and so you know, I just turn it off, turn it yeah. back on, see what happens. Um, that's what we're constantly doing is just experimenting. Yeah. What about stories? Instagram stories. How has that changed your strategy at all, if any? Um, stories are fun. You know, I've never been a huge Snapchat user. I, I'm a little older than than most folks that use Snapchat. So while we have a presence, we probably have three or 4,000 people following it. Um, we've just never been able to build it out. And then they did the update, which yeah. was beautiful. Um, <laughs> so stories though, like, you know, I really, really like because it doesn't feel in your face. It doesn't yeah. feel like you're trying to sell somebody something and it can be about anything and it disappears. Mm -hmm. um, yep. You know, we can make it, uh, we're actually trying to build out the stories to be kind of a, uh, a funny series around our office. So um, we've got one that we're coming out with it's called Messing with Smizer, who's like one of our printers. Yeah. And it's just going to be me just basically tormenting him. <laughs> and so, I mean, I think it'll be a kind of a funny way to connect the brand and tell a story that, hey, we're still local, but yet, you know, um, this dude loves to torture this guy. Yeah. Yeah. Sort of kind of almost a Chubby's feel if you follow them. They yeah. kind of do kind of a goofy office sort of thing. Yeah, we've noticed... Uh, you know, back when Fuji was just starting, we had a Snapchat, and our fans loved that because they wanted to see behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. and now we're doing it on Instagram. Personally, I'm posting pictures. We got a lot of dogs in the office. I'm posting pictures and videos of those dogs in the office, and that's what people want to see. Yeah. You know, they love Fuji. They love, they love what we're doing. But at the end of the day, the day-to-day -day stuff they want to see is what behind, what's behind the scenes. Right. And stories are a great way to show that. Yeah. 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 I think that the business is probably small business, especially. I mean, you could do so much with it. You know, a donut shop. I would sit and watch videos all day of people making donuts and different <laughs> glazes and things like that. So, I mean, I just yeah. think there's huge opportunity to grab people's attention right there. And I, I think for you guys, the, the screen printing process is mm -hmm. interesting to people. Yeah. Um, so you kind of have, you know, that's your donut. Right, almost. right, definitely. <laughs> Inks and um, everything else yeah. what we're doing, yeah. And that, that can really just personalize it, and that probably plays into your, you want to make it about... Um, you know how it's a family and how sure. it's you guys kind of behind it where right. you, you can do that without having to sacrifice the feed right 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 yeah. you want to have the beautiful feed everybody wants mm -hmm. to have the beautiful yeah. feed yeah um, that's what it's all about so you know I think it's interesting what's been interesting to me just to kind of expand on that um, is you know my wife started a blog in February mm -hmm. um, and she's got around 20,000 followers now 
um, just thanks to building it off the back of our followers. But um, her space is kind of a family-oriented like sort of blog. And the difference between posting there and posting on a business, which is all I've done for the most part, is just insane how, how those two niches, just they, they're different and, and they have a different feel and they have a different look and, um, and what's okay, you know? Yeah. It's almost like posting on Fuji, the, the dog situation, that's something people like. Yeah. Well, if we post dogs on ours, it may not be what people like. It's just super interesting to me to see those fan bases and what they kind of want to see and what's interesting to them. Yeah, it's all about doing something different because I think what what gets people interested in the dogs is it's an office space. You know, oftentimes you don't hear about dogs running around chasing each other right. or doing, you know, stupid stuff in an office. But, you know, I'm highlighting that and saying, you know, this is something cool that we're doing that's different. Uh, that's why people, you know, I think tune in and say, hey, you know, this is hilarious, you guys are awesome, stuff like that because it's different. Right. Yeah. It goes back to personal brand. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Uh, so we can kind of wrap up now. Do you have any just like thoughts about the entrepreneurship space in the bluegrass and just kind of where the status that it's at and, and what it needs to become? Um, you know, I think it's super exciting. I, I think that, um, you know, I don't get out and network enough. I don't like connect with other entrepreneurs or go to events or anything like that mm -hmm. just because I'm busy and I travel a lot. But, you know, I think that there's a huge amount of attention that's out there right now and it's focused on Silicon Valley and New York City and stuff like that. And like mm -hmm. Lexington could be that for Kentucky, you know? I think that Louisville has some attention, yes, but Lexington, I just feel like there's something kind of brewing. I, I don't know how to really yeah. say that, but I feel like there's something kind of brewing here and people aren't scared to, um, to start or at least talk about starting. And um, I'm just super excited to see where the city goes in 10 years. Um, I think that there will be definitely a lot of change. Mm -hmm. I think that you'll see shrinkage in the retail space everywhere, but in particular Lexington. Um, and I think it's going to be interesting to see how people navigate going online and selling online and, and figuring out what influence even is here in, in Bluegrass. Yeah, I think we think pretty much the same thing. Which yeah. is no, we're very excited because you know, we're, we're, we're networking. I challenge you to do the same because sure. you know, once you get out in the community you meet these people, you know, you mentioned it, there's an excitement. There's something that is brewing. Mm -hmm. Everybody's got that feeling. Everybody's willing to help each other. And we've gotten that feeling with this podcast. And that's why we wanted to start this, was to highlight those people, yeah. highlight what's going on. And we've gotten all that in return. You know, mm -hmm. everybody's coming to us and, and you know, sharing what we're doing with their networks. And so it's been great. You know, yeah. we get that same feeling for sure. sure. So where can people follow you? Where can they find you online? Uh, Instagram, at shoplocalky. Um, Facebook.com mm -hmm. slash shoplocalky. Um, we're on Twitter. Don't follow it. <laughs> um, but uh, the kyshop.com is a web address if you want to pick up a t-shirt. Um, and I'll give my wife a plug since she's trying to grow her personal brand, yeah. at Joni Painter, um, if you're into bloggers and all that kind of fun stuff. Awesome. Well, thanks again, man, for coming yeah, on. I really appreciate fun. it.